boy who wants the goddamn house? The trouble was that he had planned to use the money from the house to pay for his early retirement. He could afford the house or he could afford to retire, but he couldn't afford both. This put him in the uncomfortable position of having to admit to Helene what had become her biggest grievance, that he had chosen himself over everyone else, that he had thrown them all under the bus, which wasn't true. Which, if you consider the college educations of their grown sons, and the house he had mortgaged up to his eye sockets, and the extravagant kitchen she had insisted on building after their children were gone, all of which he had paid for, all of which he had worked his rump off to provide for them, his family, his brood, his paramount responsibility, was downright insane. He had done everything they asked of him, and he had done it for them. What else in the world could she possibly want? Well, the house, it turned out. So now the letters were piling up, ominous things with yellow forwarding stickers over the address windows and language that was quite explicit. He had until the end of the year before the bank brought in a judge. It was a situation that could be cleared up with a single phone call to Aline, an opportunity really to come clean and admit he'd bluffed. The right thing, if there ever was a right thing, if he could just find the moment when she wasn't so fragile. And he could stomach her disappointment in him, when it didn't feel like a single piece of bad news might be enough to send her away for good. What it all meant, at least in terms of the Ashby's holiday party, was that he should probably have a shirt cleaned. As it was his first party as a single man, it surprised him how cordial he could be, how confident, crunching alone up the Ashby's wide, candlelit path, nodding at some acquaintances as they passed him, removing his coat and hanging it on the rack and turning to a room of rosy faces, their chatter rising over Harry Connick Jr., voices familiar, making his way across the living room, past the mantle full of teepeed guards, his eyes falling across their handsome photographs, a golden retriever, some newlyweds, a ten-year-old in a soccer uniform. Before he could get to the bar... Lydia Hickman had spotted him and was motioning eagerly to have Anders join her. Lydia had been an intimate member of his wife's support system during the divorce, a coffee-getter who had been through two divorces herself and who, Anders always imagined, had strong opinions about the incompatibility of men and women. She was standing with four others, some of whom Anders had met before but couldn't recall where. So how have you been? said Lydia, her eyes wide. Anders glanced around the circle of faces. He was the first of his peers to retire, and he could feel he was being tested. The truth was, he had proceeded as planned, selling his unneeded furniture, buying a condo and a decent TV, repainting, getting his green square of lawn ready for spring. The truth was, he enjoyed his time alone. His three mugs of coffee during his morning shows, his lengthy shower, the long daytime hours of walks and mail and raking. I'm getting involved with charity, he said. Wonderful, said Lydia. They waited for him to continue, but he had a moment of self-awareness and couldn't. Which one? Someone asked. Disease, he said. Cancer. Lydia nodded gravely, and a strange silence fell over them. That word had a tidy way of ending conversations. So what do you do? said a man. He wore French cuffs and a tie with a muscular Windsor. 
Anders could feel him angling for familiar cocktail banter, the sort of sniffing of butts that he had sworn off with his retirement. He's retired, said Lydia. Oh, the man said. Lucky dog. From Springer Financial, she said. Oh, said the man. You left Springer? I mean, you're still young, aren't you? Lydia, intrigued, turned to hear his answer to this one. Am I young? said Anders. Yeah, he said. I mean, it's early, isn't it? This was the topic his older son had coached him to avoid, the one he'd sat Anders down in the weeks immediately following the divorce, and as if in an intervention, begged him not to broach in public. Even if everything you're saying is true, Tommy had said, you can't rant. It makes people uncomfortable. You seem crazy. Is that the word you're looking for? Assholy. But the tirades had come out of him like the lie about the charity had, in ways that at first seemed appropriate.